1: everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul.
0: And I'm Dan. And on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about what is the best single die for the core Dungeons & Dragons mechanic? Should it be the D4 or the D6, the D8? Those are your main contenders or maybe something else? Um, And how did that change over the years? Because it's actually evolved in kind of surprising way. Big thanks to our viewer, Dan Ebert, for the idea today. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more today on Wandering DMs.
1: Before we get into that, I will just remind everyone that, as always, at the end of the show, we will have our after-party chat. That is a private video chat on our Discord server, available to all our patrons. Uh, you can join in on that by becoming a patron. Visit us at wanderingdms.com slash Patreon. Uh, sorry, got that backwards. Visit us <laughs> visit <laughs> patreon.com slash wanderingdms. Uh, join, join at any tier, and you'll get access to the Discord server and our after-party chats. <laughs>
0: We enjoy chatting with our viewers so much. And the fact we get to do it uh, on Discord um, is a really bright part of our day. And already we we had some really interesting um, uh, comments uh, happening in the live chat right now already on on this topic that we're kind of sprung on people to a little bit. Again, thanks to uh, Dan Ebert who brought up this idea a little bit in the past. Uh, We actually have had a recent conversation on our Discord server um, as far as like how we run original DD games. And there's actually a question that pops up quite a bit is is the basic die for hit dice and classes and damage from weapons. Do you use a D6 or a D eight? Because uh some people do either way, and both with while both sides say that we're playing original DD. Um now I will say that Josh has already sprung in the chat and said, split the difference and use a D7, use a seven-sided die. And um, thanks so much. Thanks so much for that great, that great suggestion. I will point out that I resisted the D7 for a long time, and our friend Max tried to find <laughs> reasons to force it upon me, and I finally found a good use for it. Have I said this before, Paul? What the actual good use of it? The seven-sided die I finally found there's a real world metric, a real world scale for real world measurements that is seven steps deep, and it's called the Bristol stool scale. For measuring how fir- firm your poop is. So, uh, if you want to roll a real world random poop consistency, yeah, grab a seven sided die. And that's exactly what you should do. And so, from, from having discovered that, I call it the poop die. I, don't, I actually call mm, it something else. But I nice. can't
2: see that here.
1: <laughs> I, I, think, I think you can. I think you'd be within your quota. But, uh, no. I
0: mean, Paul, it's you know, I mean, you're really. Kid. Well, reminded that it's yeah. Mother's Day, and this is what we're talking about. So I'm not going to say that today for all the mothers that are watching today. And and, and thanks so much for joining us.
1: Great! <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, everyone. <laughs> um. You know, I guess from like a, a parody perspective, if you really are looking for like the middle, you, there's an argument there for the D8, right? Because you have two dice steps lower, you have the D6 oh. and the D4, and you have oh. two dice steps higher, the D10 and the D12. Oh, you're right in the, oh. you're right in the middle of the spectrum of, of si- number of sides of, of dice before it then starts to jump, right? And you get up into your twenties and your thirties, etc.
2: Well, the, you know, you unless, know what? unless
1: like dcc you dive into those weird like d14s and d16s and then those are the dice that i really like really yeah, you need a d16 <laughs> i you know these
0: you know like these the, these these arguments all have some strong mm-hmm. points and you know what even with dcc even though i don't like the the non-polyhedral the, the non-platonic dice like you know when we you know when we uh, people of our age first came to dnd and 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 discovered these you know what were these exotic unusual dice at some point and that was part of the um exotic attraction to the game um i can see uh you know uh, goodman coming in with dcc and saying i want to get that feeling back and here's a whole bunch of dice that you've never seen before in your life and it's a core mm-hmm. part of this game and mm-hmm. and and, and feel that novelty again of course that puts that's you an interesting track point to invent dice right?
1: forever yeah i mean so i mean, these days in the modern day we're i mean maybe a little more used to in larger society seeing polyhedral dice out and about just yesterday uh my town had a steampunk festival in its central square and, oh, really? yep yep huh <laughs> so there's a whole bunch of vendors out there and sure enough there was a booth that was selling polyhedral dice Like you do at your steampunk festival in your town. Yeah, yeah, it's a little right. So, but like, it just is a little more mainstream. And and you have to remember that, like, back in the '80s or even late '70s, when these games were coming out, that polyhedral dice were very rare. Right? They were. They were. I mean, they were so difficult to come by that uh, Dan, that your set, your basic set of D and D, didn't even come with them. Right? Just had cardboard chits. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have things like, you know, um, their use kind of being sort of optional in OD&D. Uh, and I was reminded again, another point on this is, um, I was recently saw a news article about Tunnels and Trolls, because I guess Flying Buffalo recently got acquired by another company. And it was pointing out how one of the thrusts of Tunnels and Trolls was to be a little more accessible to the general public. And I've heard this story many times about how Ken St. Andre wrote Tunnels and Trolls, because. Got a copy of o d and d and couldn't really make heads or tails of it and wanted something easier to grok for the general gamer. It uses only d sixes like intentionally only d six uh because mm-hmm. that's what gamers generally have. right they probably you probably had a you know monopoly and risk and maybe some others kicking around on your kicking around on your your shelf. I had a moment there where I confused risk and clue in my head, and that got really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Ooh. different game when you're trying to take over the ballroom um, Ooh, anyway <laughs> there's a matchup <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's
0: kind of like so, uh, chess boxing uh, you just switch back and forth right <laughs> in 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 palace intrigue and then glo- geopolitical conflict
1: there you go, there you go. <laughs> anyway yeah so it's, it's um you know it's interesting it's, you know <laughs> to keep that in mind i guess keep that in mind as we talk about the history of it that like the polyhedral dice were very strange and unusual when these games came out
0: yes i uh, let me Possibly throw uh, a comment from lore Sudo here so lore Sudo in the chat is saying um that um uh those chits who like me got the basic D set with no dice and just chits and saying those chits set me back a year in learning D. And I totally sympathize with that. I, um, you know, they I think original D&D had um, the, the original basic set was intended. And we're talking 1980, I believe, 1979 um, had dice that came with it and they quickly sold out. TSR sold out of it, couldn't supply mm-hmm. dice anymore and therefore had about a year where they were uh, selling basic sets as cardboard shits and more and myself. Got in that window. I absolutely was playing D and D as the DM, shaking little cups and pulling out chips for randomization for a whole year, and it was time consuming. It, it it's been quite a bit of time. And one of you know one of the brightest memories in my entire life is wasn't a birthday, wasn't Christmas. My mom just took pity on me without telling me at all, went to a store, grabbed poly, you know, bought some polyhedral dice, and just walked in on a ah. random day and said, "Hey, here." And I was like, "Oh my god." Oh my god. It, was, it just like the chits are gone. It, it was just like like these things actually exist, right? It for a whole year it'd been like this mythical, you know. It's it's a story that I wasn't entirely even sure was a thing and to actually have them physically in my hand as solids was uh
1: was was a game changer literally. Fascinating. So so of course my my first set was the um Molde. So certainly remember having the dice and the crayon um, but none- nonetheless, still, uh, you had maybe one set of those dice at the table for the entire group of players. You had one set, right? And That's I definitely right. remember times of playing where, like, there were just too many of us, or maybe we could find, maybe we lost some of the dice or whatever. And I certainly remember making my own shits, right? Like taking just loose leaf paper wow. and writing numbers on it, putting it in a hat. Because wow! There you go. That was yeah. Wow. I remember doing that. Yeah.
2: Fascinating fascinating Mm -hmm. because
0: i never Mm -hmm. i never had to do that so one of the one of the questions so the first thing you brought up paul was just acquisition of i I think we can all agree that the six-sided dice were certainly more common um i I think if you look in the history of it uh uh, ancient cultures did have actually some some non-d six-sided dice like i think that we we have evidence of egyptians having four-sided dice, and Romans using 20-sided dice, as a matter of fact. We have a number of cases of that. But certainly in, in popular culture, you know, the cubic ones uh, were well, they're easiest to store. They're used for most games like that. So, and I, I apologize, this is one of these days where I, I think it's really interesting to look at the original texts and see what's in there. So if you look at original d 1974, and, uh, Paul, I'm looking at... Um, the text that has a yellow highlight kind of up on the page
1: let's see if i can find that for you uh this one recommended yeah. equipment
0: so this is i think page two of the very first volume of original dnd in 1974. you got this recommended equipment list which which i go back to over and over again because i think there's so many interesting things here like you need dungeons and dragons first of all you need a copy of avalon hills outdoor survival Right. about the fourth thing down is you obviously need a copy of the chainmail game, which is why I go back to it on practically a daily basis. But the thing, yeah, you need some dice. So the third thing there is you need some dice. The following different kinds of dice are available as a separate product from TSR. And it says you should have one pair, one pair of four siders, one pair of eight siders, a pair of 20 siders, a pair of 12 siders. And then what I have highlighted there, four to 20 pairs of six sided dice. So um, on the, somewhere between 8 and 40 six-sided dice you're expected to have here.
1: So, Well, that's that's, too, uh, that's, that's to serve your up to 50 players, I assume.
0: Correct. Which it says further up on the page there, between, yeah. I don't know, 10 and 50 players for your campaign or something like that. Um, so clearly, the, 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 the initial instinct there is that you're going to have lots of six-siders. You're going to have lots of six-sided dice. You're gamers presumably you already have that that'll be easy and so a lot of our game without even saying it is just going to assume that the six-sided die is the 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 basic default die and what we'll see in a lot of um a lot of original d they don't even bother to tell you what type of die to roll they'll say roll a die roll two dice they don't even say what type and most of us all interpret that as they must be talking about six-sided dice because that's the default um presumably partly because this acquisition thing and look you know if you play you know my book of war game right you're you're, paul was talking about tunnels and trolls which was designed to all be d6s my my book of war war game that we play thursday nights on the channel is is also designed to all be a six-sided dice uh for convenience and if you play classic Warhammer, that's the same kind of thing. And you can easily go into a store and buy, you know, big bricks of dozens of six-sided dice. That's very easy. Um, I don't know where I can go and buy like a batch of
2: 48-sided dice. Um, that, that becomes a little bit harder to find. Now, Paul, I'm not hearing you right the moment. Is that my end or your end? So that look. Okay, let me switch my let me switch my earbuds here. Maybe it's my. End. Can you hear me now? Are you there, Dan? Can, Why the, can the viewers and the viewers hear Paul?
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. And josh is like yes. Sounds. Paul's yes. muted. Sounds like they can hear me. Sounds like they can hear me, Dan. Are you not hearing me? Hmm. This is sorry, everyone. Stand by due to de- technical no. difficulties as Dan tries the to poll's figure back
2: out. The here, thanks. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, thanks for debugging yeah. that, guys. Yeah, great, great, interesting, interesting. Okay, don't know what happened there. Uh, where were we? Um, Dice, right? So, uh, right. I was saying that that you, you, certainly they don't package d8s like that, right? You don't get d8s right. in a in right. a uh, you know box, but but most vendors sell them individually and if you went to one and we were just like i want you know 10 d8s you could probably get them
2: true
0: true true at the time right for those of us that were fighting with chits and it was it was difficult to even get a single d8 a single eight-sided die um it was uh it was uh out of the question but anyway so uh, the very first publication assumed d6s and you can see in a bunch of places like um I think I probably have maybe three things here. Like, if you look at the um, the class chart, like the fighter class chart, so there's a table with like a table up top and some text at the bottom. Yeah. So, for example, when the here's the here's the fighter class table as it shows up in the first volume of D and D for fighters, and you can see the you know use the the names for the different levels at the time. It says dice for accumulated hits. Now, it doesn't say what type of die to use, right? Um, And you can see that uh, it's, you know, for the levels two, three, four, you've got two dice or three dice or four dice. And then when it says five plus one, you're rolling the the interpretation is you're rolling five dice and just adding one more point to it is what it is. It never says what type of die to roll. They have an example further down says here's dice for your accumulated hits right and it it says okay a superhero is which is eighth level is going to get eight dice plus two and for example they rolled and they scored one two two three three four five and six and you add that up and add another two and now you have your hit points um so literally never tells you what die to roll presumably it must be six sided dice it's the only type of which you're supposed to have at least eight of them or more um, and obviously, the example there—the highest thing they, they roll in the example—is six. That's kind of bolsters that interpretation. But, but all well, the classes are like this: fighters, and, and, wizards, clerics—they're all rolling the same kind of dice. They're all rolling d6s at this point.
1: Right. No, but I mean, remind me—like the I think the only case in OD&D where you're rolling anything other than a d6 is the alternate combat system, right? Isn't, isn't it presented as an option?
2: In the first supplement, yes. In the in the in the next supplement
0: that shows up a year later, that's the first place they start talking about using different dice for hits and damage. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Let me. You know. Excellent.
0: Let me. So it's an interesting detail here because I have the original D and D page <laughs> labeled "Alternate Combat System," and so this has the. I don't know if you can actually see at the
1: top where it says "Alternate
0: Combat System." And you get the you get no, the hit table. No.
1: Oh. <laughs> Sorry, viewers. One of the things you have to deal with here is as Dan has cut out images for us to share with you that are just tiny blocks of text. No, they they're tiny. In my preview, they are illegible tiny blocks, <laughs> and I'll tell one from the other. So here we're we go. We're just, gonna, t- we're just going to guess. We're just going to guess. That's and it. Like, Paul. Well, it's so like, oh oh right, on them, right, on them. So easy. <laughs> <laughs> The system was clearly meant for showing images and not blocks. Of- mm-hmm. There you go. Anyway. There you go.
0: Okay. There you go. Totally my bad. That's on me. <laughs> so so here okay. in um, you know in, uh, in, in original D&D, there's this weird thing that's really hard to remember, actually, is that in the, the table we just saw, the fighter class, its combat ability is actually referring back to Chainmail, which is an all-D6 system. So go back to Chainmail and look at where it says how many men and basically So anyway look back to chainmail and then a couple pages later they have this oh this weird thing you might consider trying the what's officially labeled as the alternative combat system in which you might consider using a 20-sided die for your attacks and if you want to if you want to try out this novel interesting experiment that we're considering then look at this matrix take your fighter level Uh, for the column, take the armor class for the row, and this will show you what you need to roll on 20-sided die. Um, So technically, that's the the alternative combat system, is this idea of using a a, a 20-sided die. At the very bottom, it says, right, after you check for your attack, or the very last line here is it says, all attacks which score hits do one to six points of damage unless otherwise noted. And so here's the really interesting thing. That wasn't there in the first printing. The first printing of DD never said what to do if you hit. <laughs> it never said it at all. So they they entered, they added this, they tagged on this, this line right here in the second printing of because prior to that, we just assumed that you were gonna roll a die for damage and that it was
2: gonna be a sixer. And they literally never said that in the entire book. I think you're muted again, Paul. Unfortunately. So while while Paul fixes that fixes that,
0: um, VMix there, our our streaming software is giving us a little couple troubles today, which is which is not great. Um, so in the chat, some of us are thinking about um, you know other early sources like the uh, Beyond This Point Be Dragons draft, which some people call the DeLune manuscript um which i think is that is is a is a version of pre-publication D that someone made um and thanks for confirming as we as we f- fix the audio glitch at the moment yeah no um, i can i
1: can see the levels then oh you still can't hear me can you you're back you're back right no, you're back oh you? am i okay yeah are. fascinating i don't uh yeah i don't know why it keeps dropping my audio that's really weird okay um okay sorry <laughs> I was going to ask, Dan, when when do we when do we start seeing different numbers for damage?
0: Yeah, that's the first supplement, right? So for both damage and hits and, you know, if we dig into the monsters uh, again, it says you're, you have hit dice of either one or two or three or four, never says what die to roll. So for classes and monster hits and damage, it literally doesn't even say it actually doesn't say until you get to the first supplement a year later um, and then. If you're asking for like damage rolls, um, this, this is the image that has the smallest text. It's one giant table and has teeny tiny little text in three columns. Perfect. So here you are in what's called the Greyhawk supplement a year later, and you have this addition. At the top it says the addition. This is like a new option. Damage done by weapon type. And it says if varying amounts of damage according to weapon type uh, is employed, um, it says then you're also, in addition to this table, you're also going to have to look at this new table that gives variant damage for all the monsters. And so this is the first time where you have a list of uh, weapon types in D&D with a particular damage type. And you can see that in this iteration, you've got these two, these two columns, one for man-sized opponents and one for larger than man-sized opponents. And, you know, make a long, so here you have a dagger doing what would be a four-sided die a hand axe does d6 a normal sword does d8 things like that and basically when when that was established that got used consistently through advanced dnd first edition in bx in second edition in third these are basically the same damage amounts uh that exist today for weapons in fifth edition even uh the the larger than man-sized option got snipped out um in bx it gets snipped out after second edition but that that first column is more or less the damage that has been consistent since then
1: i'll i'll point out dan of course that you know me coming from an era of bx um even in bx this is still a thing right in in bx it's still the default damage is one to six for all attacks unless you're using this variant damage by by weapon type I always remember fi- finding that very annoying to deal with because there's a whole separate chart in BX. Right? There's like, here's the variable weapon damage where you can look up how much damage each weapon does, which is totally separate from earlier tables of here are all the possible weapons and their weights and their costs. And it's like, why, why, why are these separated into two separate tables? It's annoying to have to jump back and forth in the book. That's a good point. Yeah. So, so we um, lived with that history for some time.
2: We did. We did.
0: You're right. You're right. Um, there was a lot of organizational issues like that. I mean, here in at least with BX, it was in one book, Paul. Like yeah. If technically, if you're playing original d d you're <laughs> going to jump between multiple books where the the hit tables are and the, these damage tables here in the supplement. Um, uh, so that things were the, the organization of D D books has certainly gotten better over time. Um, and uh, Hobo Ogre in the chat is reminding us that that table in BX is clearly labeled optional. Um, here, the yeah, one I mean, originally we are looking at says a, addition. They couldn't even really use the right word for it. Optional is better, <laughs> honestly. Um,
1: in, um, in, in BX, it, it actually very specifically calls out amount of damage. All weapon attacks by characters, PC or NPC, will do 1D, 1 to 6, 1d6 points of damage adjusted by strength. If applicable, if the variable weapon damage system hereafter is used, check the weapon type. Right, so it's definitely you know very much d6 d6 based, um, yeah, which is fascinating, fascinating. So I mean, the the history uh, aside, Dan, like one one of the like I don't know if this is something you wanted to tackle here or not, but um the the, the I think what one of the things that whether, I don't know if you want to call this a good thing or a bad thing about D and D, but one of the things people say about it is that it kind of stretches your math skills, right? And it stretches your math skills usually by uh presenting you with options for different types of numeric variation and you having to decide which is best. I feel like that's the most most often this comes up. And I watched you I watched you go through this just the other day on Elder Times, right? You were looking at i see it all the time right you're looking at a weapon especially once you start dealing with multiple die types and bonuses after you're like okay is a is is a d6 plus three better or worse than 2d4 plus one uh right <laughs> and then you right. You, know, right. you sit there and you have to do i, I bunch think i of had to figure out. and i i think
0: actually I'm, i mean again i more or less had to look at this table right here i think i was like fighting skeletons and i had I had a two-handed sword plus three versus undead and but i could also just pick up a normal morning star and the skeletons take half damage against edged weapons so is it so is a two-handed sword plus three halved better or worse than a normal morning star um and i had to do i had to do exactly that kind of that kind of calculation here
1: it's very interesting i think um uh I feel like I I become you become hyper aware of this in a game uh like uh actually Demon Wars if anybody's ever played Demon Wars where uh one of the benefits like it kind of kind of presents two different types of bonuses to uh attacks or damages that you're going to make either pluses at the end or increasing the die type so your d4 becomes a d6 your d6 becomes a d8 and they have a whole chart in that of like how to progress it even higher, right? I think after D twelve, you start right. getting into like two D six or two D eight, right? And it starts yep. right yep. <laughs> as this progression of like still what is another 12, step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So they try to smooth that out with multiple dice, but then you still start wondering: Is this oh, is this good? Is uh, I don't know. How does one D twelve compare to two D six? Which would I rather you be know- rolling?
0: <laughs> when I, you know, when I'm running my, you know, my my Wizards Warzone game that um that I have a couple times recently, you know, sometimes I design I, I can all, I can see how these things happen because sometimes I design something on paper. I do some math. I go, I would like there to be an environmental effect that does some damage each round, and I really want it to be one to three. I want it to be one, two, or three. And so you could you could say this is a D3, you could say I'm gonna take a D6 and have it. Even for me, um, you know, the having it with a D6, I have to remember which way am I going to round that? Am I going to am I going to truncate it like a computer would? Am I going to round up so it's it's a uniform one to three? And then when I get to the table, I go, it would be easier just to use a die type that physically exists. And I'm just going to turn into a D4 instead. So I found myself go, I'd kind of like this. To be this kind of number, but then it's just physically easier at the table to just
2: pick a die that's kind of close and say good enough. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. So I I feel that.
0: Now Laura Sudo in the chat had this the, the question that I to me is sort of the core of what I wanted to deal with today, actually. And so Laura Sudo was asking, um, and probably some, someone already told him, when did monster hit dice become D8s? And, um, you know, Paul, you're talking about BX. Laura said, I always thought that was a bit complicated in BX to need D8s for your hit dice. And the the answer is this book that we're looking at right now. So this first supplement uh, to D&D in 1975 that uh, gave you the variant uh, weapon damage we're looking at also gave you variant dice for the class hit dice and also changed as a result the hit dice for monsters. And all of that happened here in this first supplement so if you look at the um uh there's a there's an image file that has a big yellow highlight right at the bottom okay Great. and and so the the yellow highlight is the answer to lore sudo's question to be perfectly clear so in addition a couple of pages after the weapon or before the weapon variation you also have this addition says statistics regarding classes is going to be modified this way whereas in original DD, you were using d6s for fighters and magic users and clerics and everybody. Now, for the first time, you see this table, it says, hey, fighters are now gonna use eight-sided dice. And it's just whatever your level is, that's how many eight-sided dice you've rolled for your hit points. And magic users are gonna use D4s and clerics will still use D6s. And here, thieves are gonna use D4s, which which is very, very weak. And they're new in this book, obviously. And then at the bottom, in the highlight, it says, now use of this system is highly recommended, but if it is used, all monsters should now be based on the eight-sided die system, and and the little parent parenthetical note is now as a result you have to change how dragon ages work, and you have to change how kobold fractional hit dice work and things like that. Interesting. um yeah. And I personally feel that this is one of the top six mistakes in the evolution of D and agree with Lore pseudo that if I have I don't know like a fire giant. And I'm supposed to be rolling eleven dice for their hit points, or six dice for a troll, or something like that. It's a giant pain in the ass to grab my single D8, or or start as a DM deciding to acquire lots and lots and lots of D8s for all of the hit points I'm going to have to roll. Whereas originally I could just grab my giant brick of D6s, which I already have, and that works perfectly fine. But declaring that the hit dice for monsters are d8s is a huge pain in the ass, and I think that was, and it and it, it was sticky. It, that's that stuck around in d d ever since, and I I really have a big problem with that,
1: honestly. Well, then I completely disagree. Really? Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I've, I'm I'm super used to using d8s uh, for monsters. Yeah. I understand the logic here, right? You want to keep monsters kind of on par with fighters, right? I'm assuming that's mm-hmm. that's the logic is monsters are like fighters uh sure he doesn't so, say it that's uh, my best guess too i mean when i when i'm when i'm running a game i dump out a bunch of dice behind my screen the largest proportion of them are d8s specifically for yeah. rolling monster hit dice uh, yeah. I, I have no problem with that uh in fact that's that's ha- ge- actually how i like to track monster hit, hit points generally unless it's a very big monster who has a ton of hit dice if it's like two or three per, I just grab little clusters of dice and roll them and let them sit behind my screen as the counter. And then I'll mm-hmm. knock them down as, as, they, as they get hit. And uh, yeah, I have a bunch of D8s for that. I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of dice. I, I'm not that worried. Are you telling me, Dan, that you still only have a couple of D8s? How many D8s do you own?
0: Uh- i think less than uh probably less than eight maybe one two five probably about Mm. seven i think i probably have about seven to nine maybe if i grab everything of different sizes and types and colors um whereas and you know call you know call me ocd i I like having like a giant batch of all the same style of d6s Mm. makes me happy um, and, uh, you know, I think there was a time where I did go out and say, I'm going to have to spend some time acquiring lots of D8s, just, yeah. just for that
1: purpose. Whereas I, mean, I already the majority... have these for lots of stuff. Yeah. And I, and I would say, you know, again, because of my method of tracking hit dice behind the screen, I actually like having a whole bunch of different colors so I can group them and be like, okay, the, the red ones are orc number one and the blue ones are orc number two and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> hmm.
0: Well, yep. that's a, that's an interesting that's an interesting take, and I, I I really respect your your lunatic opinion, Paul. I'm glad that you shared that, and and I don't think you should feel too I mean, embarrassed about. It.
1: I don't feel embarrassed about it at all. In fact, I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm being uh, really salty today. Now, here's, I mean, now here's the thing, right? Like, it kind of comes to what's your background and how did you get here, right? Like, do I do I have a giant break of d sixes? No. Did I play a lot of war games? No, I did not. Right. I bought dice to play d and d with. That's why I bought dice. So I bought a lot of D eights. And I grew up with mold pay, So I was I was used to D eight being the die that I use for hit dice. Always, it always has been. As far as as far as I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> and for me too, it's what I grew up with. And that's what it you know, that's yeah. what it that's what it always was after 1975. So me having Holmes Basic uh to begin with, that's that's what it said. I played with BX, that's what it said. First edition yeah, AD&D, yeah. second edition. That's what it said. So, so that's also what I what I grew up with. And you know, when I when I as someone that came to original D&D very late, very late. Like I didn't get my hands on until 2007, and that was one of the things. Having played with D8 hit dice for uh, 30 years, it was a huge relief when I cracked open when I cracked open original D&D. And went oh, originally the hit dice were D6s. That would be so much easier. Um, and, and to me, it was, like a, a real, it was like a real sharp realization and a real, real relief that it, it could have been like that all along. Um, I and to, I, I immediately just fell in love with that.
1: I want to jump back here to this list of recommended equipment. OK, so if we say that the game has changed, so now, the, now the recommendation is to have four to 20 pairs of, D, of eight-sided dice. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. So sp- split that. Let's say you needed, um, I don't know, sixteen pairs of d8s. Uh, I bet if you pull our wandering DMs viewing audience and said, "How many of you, right now, if you needed them, could pull out sixteen pairs of d8s?" Actually, have that many dice. I bet. I bet more than fifty percent of our viewers. Yeah, that's, that's my. <laughs> 16, I would say the majority. Yeah. The majority of gamers I know do not have a too few dice problem. They have the other problem of way too many dice.
0: I cl- I clearly don't have <laughs> sixteen eight sided dice myself. I clearly don't have that. And you know the funny thing is, you know, as as time goes on, you know, at one point I thought that I had a lot of dice. I thought I was someone that had quite a few dice. Um, and I think that I mean, you know, as I think probably on average for the I don't know the American population. I probably have above average but maybe for maybe for standard d and d gamers maybe i don't anymore which is which is hard to
1: wrap my head around that's it that's another interesting poll i we got to put a poll out dan because the other the other interesting question i want to ask is do you think you own a lot of dice Do you think you own too many or too (laughs) few dice (laughs) are you ashamed (laughs) of the number of dice you (laughs) own or not
0: okay now normally i would want like hard quantifications <laughs> if you have if you were five or ten but but okay now i'm this 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 makes me pretty happy actually <laughs> oh, goodness. oh goodness i you know the folks that chat right now there's nobody saying they have 16 eight siders at the moment
1: um i so don't give, know you get the
2: small I, sample size
1: i mean all right, you know here, here's here's your, yeah. you know, Kevin says I buy dice by the pound. <laughs> Same, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Great, we found a new schism, right? We we found a new D anD D
0: schism. Oh, <laughs> oh my wonderful. god,
1: something that I'm so some irrelevant fact that gamers can disagree and argue over. That's you, That's Should what you makes dice? channels, my friend. Should you buy dice by the pound, or
0: should you individually select what you're gonna have? Because I'm on that side. Individual, individual selections of exactly the right size and angle and construction. Um You know what? Okay, look, let, let's say you're in universe where you need to buy lots of D8s specifically. I don't wanna buy a pound of random stuff. I don't need like I don't need a whole bunch of D4s. I don't need a whole bunch of D twelves right? I, ju- I just need d 8 And here's the problem, if I can point it out, right? Mm-hmm. D8s aren't volume filling, right? D6, you <laughs> <is gonna laughs> can stack them, right? In a convenient <laughs> format like this, because cubes are volume filling and D8s are not. So you're going to have some cruddy ass jumbled up, right? Bag of D8s that, d- that doesn't ship properly and is an inefficient and bad for the environment. Yes, I said it. <laughs> oh goodness. But Paul, I oh, care God. about the environment. I don't know about you, but personally
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, well then, we should all be using electronic random number generators, shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the right way to go. Oh goodness. <laughs> or we go back to chits, isn't that? No, man, I guess that's paper.
2: Oh, what God, is the,
1: what is the most environmentally <laughs> friendly method of <laughs> randomly generating? <colors>? <laughs> it's <laughs>
2: all
0: coin flips. <laughs> <It's> all. <laughs> Focus on. Okay, now I'm arguing with people in the chat. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Now, yeah. okay, so so here now here's <laughs> a little point there. It, here's here's a little side point. Is arguably, you know, it was it was easy for Gary Gygax to write, right? Again, write on the page. I've I've experienced this. He could write on the page. Yeah, use use eight sided dice for all the monster hit dice. It was very easy for him to 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 write that down. Mm-hmm. Did Gary actually roll hit points? That's a little bit of an open question. I've asked that before, and it's a little bit unclear about whether Gary actually literally rolled stuff. Or whether he was just picking the hit points all the time and i'll say if you look at the monsters in his adventures they don't statistically come out right they all they they practically always have above average hit points and in fact frequently
1: very frequently even for D8. it's like main i said again so they have above average hit points even for d even if you assume d8s
2: yeah yeah wow. in many
1: cases wow. yeah so if you if you, and, and and one thing that he
0: frequently does is he frequently sets like like main monsters like one hit point under the maximum i mean they're really high they're really high so if a hmm. um a null right has has in in advanced D has is supposed to have two d8 hit points maximum 16 you'll usually see a null that specifically has 15 hit points wow it's a thing that tends to happen so yeah, he, te- hmm. he it's it's like my guess is that he was probably picking stuff and kind of inflating stuff a little bit to be dramatic. And mm-hmm. um yeah, they tend to be like if you look at the advanced D&D adventures, they tend to have hit points above the average even for D8s. Yeah. Interesting.
1: So so I mean, one maybe interesting thing, in I just really want way. Yeah. I mean, I want to go back yeah. to kind of one interesting thing I find about about the, the in this discussion. Is like well, how? What what is the easiest choice for humans to reason about? Right, like what? Like like you said with your like, I want it to be one through three, but like, gosh, if I just Mm -hmm. add a fourth one, then I can just say roll a D four, and that's just easier, right? And I always find that those choices are really fascinating. Um, And I wonder sometimes, like, okay, is adding these the number of sides of the die adding a a sort of a third um, axis? to the possibility space that makes it a three dimensional problem. And that's really difficult because already you have the number of dice and the additional bonuses on top of that, that you're going to add. Right. And that's, that's a number we as DMS play with that all the time. Okay. You can have a plus one here. You can have a minus one there, whatever, you know, and those things, this seems easy when I roll that out, but then when like six of them collide, you're like, Oh geez. Okay. So we're at like 3d6 plus seven. (laughs) <laughs> like where, where am I now in the like? Huh? I'd say already, and that's and I guess that's the the point that I'm coming to here is that even if I remove one variable and say okay, we're just we're just gonna have all d sixes, so we don't have to worry about the difference between a d eight and a d six and a d four. It's still too much for my brain to wrap it around. It's still like the moment I get into multiple dice with multiple bonuses, I'm just like I've lost. Oh yeah. yeah. It what, what yes. the probabilities Agreed. here are. What's the good choice?
0: And I've run into that, uh, like I'm making um, stat blocks, and I don't know, maybe I'm joining, like in my Book of War Game, I have some figures. that's a fighter riding on a griffin, or a lich riding on a wyvern. And I'm trying to make some, you know, it's, it counts as one unit in the game. I'm trying to show a stat block for that. And I have this problem where the fighter dice are D8s, and the Gryphon dice—I don't know—in original d I still play with d6s, and now I've got a stat block that says the hit points are 9d8 uh, plus 7d6 plus the Constitution bonus from the fighter, and it actually doesn't fit in the space on the page anymore. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, right. So I've I felt that, and um, in addition, right, uh, 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 in addition to like have the having a whole bunch of d6s issue, something that I just ran into is. Um again, here's you know, here's like standard d6s, here's my normal D&D, d Dicks D6, D68. So for the purposes of conventions, right, I got a couple really big jumbo size dice, right? And so I have just a couple, and they're you know, they're a little, little pricier normal. So I have just a couple really big uh D6s and D20s specifically. And I you know, I and I just needed this because I knew that in original and DD I can basically run the whole game. Yes, I still run with monsters with d6 hit dice uh because i find it convenient and most of them are doing some kind of version of d6 damage um and one thing that i noticed um in um in our book of war game two weeks ago is we started doing zoom in action if we have a, a lord and a, and a dragon that get in contact we actually start playing original D and um i had to go grab my d8s for, for like sword damage and it mm-hmm. wasn't visible on camera. Right, mm. Just for my particular use case, the, the, my D8 was too small to actually be visible on camera and presumably it would be too small at a table at a tournament with lots and lots of players. So I, I actually just went through my stat blocks and I, I converted wherever there was a D8, I converted back to, as people have suggested, D6 plus one. Specifically, so my big D6 could be used for everything and would be visible on camera. So there's, mm. there's issues like that um that i i literally just ran into and had to convert d8 stuff back to d6 stuff for damage for convenience um so i've been i've been running into that the last couple of weeks myself how come you didn't just buy an oversized d8 well i didn't think about it in advance i mean for what right. it's worth i didn't think about it in advance and it's the only thing that i would need it for i would only need it just for sword
2: hits um yeah in that particular game so Probably Honestly, not one I'm more like, thing.
1: I mean, here's, there, here's an interesting angle. Uh, one of the problems with assigning different die types to different weapon damages is that it skews the, the selection bias, right? Maybe that's good, maybe that's bad. But like, I, mm-hmm. feel like, I feel like I've played a lot of D&D games where longsword is just the right choice. Right? It is, mm-hmm. Why would you take a different weapon? It's, it's, for a one-handed weapon, it's the best damage. You should take longsword. Right. And maybe that's accurate. Maybe that's, you know, historically maybe there's a reason longsword was the weapon of choice because it is just better than a lot of these other weirdo weapons. Um, but I, I do actually appreciate games, uh, and I did this myself in Fearful Ends. In Fearful Ends I just say like anything that is like longer than a foot that fits in your hand it does this much damage. Consistently. Don't care. And it just opens the door for more flavor, I think. Like, I, I don't okay. have to worry about, like, oh, I think it would be clever for this guy instead to be holding a 2 by 4 with a bunch of nails in it and then have to go, oh, what is that like? How much damage should that do? No, it just does a one-handed, long-handled thing. Don't care. Uh, and I'll point out, this is uh, this is cribbed from um, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, which, again, it does yeah. generate, you know, even though it does have a lot of actual specialty weapons, it does say, like, one-handed melee weapon is a one-handed melee weapon. And we're not going to care about the difference between a club or uh, a sword or an axe, whatever. They're all the same.
2: I feel that. And, you know, if you
0: snip out, if you take the, uh, you know, the original D&D variant damage table, you snip out the large size stuff. And, and most of us, certainly I, I do that. I ignore the large size column. You know, the, the weapon damage is close. It's not very different than what you just said actually is like really you know a really small thing like a dagger is a d4 and kind of like a simple thing like a hand axe is a d6 a nice you know war weapon like a sword is a d8 and then something really big like a two-handed sword or a halberd is going to be a d10 um and that's um the only stuff that you see there initially um I, you know, D&D does come from this wargaming background. It does have, it. you know, it is based on these tables and chainmail It have very specific parameters for the different martial types. And I, I got to admit, playing d I don't mind having a little bit more detail, a little bit more detail about the specific differences of these medieval weapons. And I respect a game personally that simplifies it more than that. But I actually do like um, there being a reason to think about these... Twelve different things on the menu, um, and I—I I actually don't like. I'm someone that actually doesn't like the players being able to reskin stuff at will. So um, the fact that the original D and D equipment table has twelve different melee weapons on it, I actually want a reason to distinguish one versus the other.
2: I could. See I don't that. know <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm gonna see if I can very quickly snip this out and put it on screen. Um, yeah, it's probably not gonna be fast enough. Let me just say uh, again: this is biased here because of um, uh, because of my own experience coming from BX. Uh, one of the problems I have with it is I don't mind when there's like a big there's a, a several options which you do need to grok and figure out which one do I want. There are right choices, unfortunately, I think, in the BX variable damage. Right. You look at BX variable damage chart, there are only two weapons that do a D eight. And those two weapons are a battle axe and a sword. And the battle axe has a specific footnote that tells you it's two handed. Right. And so if you're gonna give up your ability to wear to hold a shield and go for a two handed weapon, well, why would you choose the low damaging battle axe over a higher damaging two handed sword or pole arm, which is gonna give you d ten? There's no good reason. Likewise, there's no good reason if you're going to take a one-handed weapon to take anything other than a sword with the exception of you're a cleric and you're stuck. Mm-hmm. So basically, what you see argument. is yeah. everyone carrying swords all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, somebody I'm sure well, is going to want to argue that's accurate. Swords are a superior weapon. In... That's why everyone in the you know, Middle Ages had them
2: because mm-hmm.
1: it was the best choice. Sure. Okay. That that's a solid argument, and I I mean
0: I can't I can't disagree um, with how that shows up in in Moldvay. You're you're right, and my character my players are always carrying swords around. You know, it becomes the default right. Whereas it was all d6s to begin with. Now the default hit dice for all the monsters is d8s, and the default damage of all the players is the d8s because they're all carrying swords. So now the whole game is all d8s, um, and I think that's a I think that's a um, a glitch uh personally um you know partly you know moldvay's making some really good choices about simplifying that you know twice as complicated table originally and then as a result had the simplification has you know boxed you into this situation so I I do think uh for my games just a little bit more detail just a little bit more detail to the elements of the weapons solves that problem and so in my OED original edition Delta rules, and it's available for free at oedgames.com, uh, you can go see what I, I feel like I solved that problem in about three lines of text by giving a little bit more interesting something to um, the different you know, weapon types. Um, and it works very well for me. And I don't have that problem in my games of everybody carrying a sword. It's a good weapon. But just for starters, some people want to carry spears because then you can attack from a back rank and you know Gary supports that uh in in a, in a strategic review article at some point um and so um you know just give a little bit of flavor to something make the make the you know maces hit through heavy armor a little bit better and um uh, I think I think I think you're very very close to
2: solving that problem as as shown in BX you I I don't disagree mm. Mm. Yeah, I know. So, I, I
1: yeah. Definitely, we're getting getting heavily into preference area here. I'm sure. Mm-hmm, um, sure. You know, generally, yeah, it's it's interesting because it's sort of both like what level of detail do you want? I I certainly I guess like how do you feel, Dan, about playing say Pool of Radiance and having to have your characters carry around multiple weapon options? Or well, we might fight undead and I might need a Morningstar, and we might fight big monsters in which case I want two handed of swords, et cetera. Do you enjoy that? I think it's
0: an interesting decision. I'm I'm happy to engage with that uh, that problem and have an interesting decision. And I, the like, what weapon do I carry uh, versus the encumbrance issue? You know, this th- this is stuff that I do actually like in original d and I do like, you know, managing the encumbrance as a resource. Um, and I have and, and making a good, good decision about that makes me feel happy, honestly. Uh, I, actually do, I actually do like that being in D&D, I really do. And I like being able to dig into a text about medieval weapons, about why one would use a spear versus a sword and have that feed into my D&D game about exactly what the nuances are. I think that's, that's part of
2: what, for me, classic D&D brings the table.
1: Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yep. Okay. Okay. It's not, it's not and, for me, and, I think. And, not, not, not what I enjoy about the game. I would rather... Uh, I'm more interested in like, how the weapon type presents, what visual it has, what, uh, what it says about the character. Right? Are you the type who has a nice, shiny, fancy, one-handed longsword, or are you carrying a hunk of wood with a couple of nails shoved through it? It's interesting to me. Um, and I and I don't want to have to do a bunch and I and I get annoyed, frankly if I'm like, oh, I gotta juggle all these pieces of equipment just so that I can game the system and, and sort of get one extra point of damage here or there, generally I don't frankly, like I, when I'm watching you play Elder Times you're definitely doing a level of analysis that is deeper than I've ever done where I'm like, ah, I see this character as a two-handed wielder, I like that it matches their icon, I'm just gonna give him the sword, okay. it's cool and not really care that uh, it's not the most efficient weapon for him to be using.
0: That's yeah. a good, uh, you know, alternate <laughs> viewpoint for me to hear because, admittedly, that's not the um, that's not the fluid that's normally running around my brain. So it's it, it's yeah. really good for me to hear that other people play in in other ways. And now I will also point out that you know me uh, running the public stream right. I have to. Try to act like I'm proficient because <laughs> <'cause, 'cause> some, <laughs> right, some folks want to see want to see proficient play and will have uh, correct uh, opinions pointing out if i'm not doing something totally optimal, so I might have a little bit more um, incentive to uh, try to try to optimize that stuff than when you're normally playing pool radiance um, the way that it was normally intended to be
1: <laughs> and i want I want to bring up um Sorry. Oh and in fact, goodness. look at uh, you can look at the
0: chat right now where people are pointing out, <laughs> pointing out some things that I could have done better right the second poll. So you know, there's that.
1: <laughs> fantastic. Um, just, I know we're 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 pretty much out of time here, but uh, I just wanted to share this just because I finally managed to snip this table. I know it's the text on the bottom It's so a little cut off. I managed to snip this table so we could look at it together. But the the fascinating thing about this table to me right now. Is just a piece that I've, I think I've never really grokked, which is this sub note at the bottom that says when you have a two-handed weapon, it's obviously pointing out, oh, you might can't use a shield that might reduce your armor class, okay, and also you will always lose initiative. Did you know you yeah. always lose initiative when you have a two-handed weapon? I've nev- never internalized that rule before, and I'm like now <laughs> looking at that as if this is a brand new rule that I'm just just being told for the first time ever. Really, you lose initiative for having a two-handed <laughs> weapon? I
0: had no idea. I think that's. I think that's broadly uh, unique to uh, to Moldvay's BX there. And I will point out that that implies that you've got to use individual initiative, which itself is optional in those rules.
1: Yeah, That is interesting. Yeah. 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 I can see that. I can see that. And then the, the other, the other piece of information that, that I feel like is always missing from these is you have uh, small race types like dwarves and, and halflings we're not allowed to use large weapons, and then I'm, now my brain is broken because I have to decide for myself, what's a large weapon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what counts? Yeah. Right? Can, yeah. a, can a halfling wield a battle axe two-handed? I don't know. Yep,
0: I agree.
2: And I will say, I think it's a mistake
0: to make the battle axe two-handed here. I think f- I f- yeah. if anything at all, right? If, if any, I think if anything at all would improve this table and improve your point is just remove the asterisk next to battle axe. Hmm. Interesting. And then, and then at uh, least you've got two options for the 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 d eight one handed type, and that would give that would give it some additional texture. I think, to my eye, that's the single biggest mistake in this table. It's just that one asterisk.
1: Um. You know, interestingly, your counterpoint, uh, halfling restrictions says um, they can use any type of weapon armor which has been cut down to their size. Thus, they cannot use a two-handed sword or a longbow, but may use a sword or a shortbow. Um, mm-hmm. So, so one might argue that the battle axe is the only option for a halfling to use as a two-handed weapon. Does I
2: mean, the same thing about arms?
1: It doesn't say anything about pole arms, and now that's really weird. I don't know, <laughs> right? Can I have? Can right. I have to I like use a pole arm, but not a 2 ended sword. I'm really confused. Right. Okay, we are so out of time. I agree. Uh, I agree. So, so <laughs> viewers, if you have opinions on uh, what did, we were, what were talking about dice, dice types, or variable yeah, I mean, damage what, for do, weapons? Do you like
0: the game being like basically D6 hit dice and damage? Or do you like the game being basically D8 hit dice and damage? After that, for a supplement. Yep.
1: Yep, are you, are you annoyed by the need to have a, a large quantity of D8s or is that just uh, every day for you because you live in a mountain of dice? Um, leave us a comment, drop us a note here in the, um, in the chat or the discussion, the, the, the comment section of the YouTube video. Uh, tell us what you think, uh, we'll check that out and maybe that will, uh, that will expand the discussion. Maybe we'll have another uh, follow-up video in the future based on your thoughts.
0: As a final note Paul, let me just get a final opinion. What do you prefer mm-hmm. for monster hit dice? D6s or D8s in your classic d d 8s 8
2: The answer I, is I d that already.
1: The yeah. D8. The answer Absolutely. is d 6s no, sir. Yes. <laughs> I respectfully yes. disagree. The the only use for D6s is if you're using an inefficient weapon, which you should get rid of and go get yourself a longsword. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nice. <laughs> there <you go>. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, on that note, remember, if you're new to the channel, you know, you can look, like info and subscribe to us and get more conversations like this. And uh, we have <laughs> presence on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and GitHub and TikTok. And we do have the handle Wander and DMs on all those mm-hmm. sites. So look for us there and you'll get notifications on updates on upcoming shows.
1: If you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, you can do that. Uh, Those podcasts are available on our website at wanderingdms.com. You can also find our podcasts on various carriers like iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcasts. If you're listening to this show right now on one of those sites and you have a moment, please leave us a a rating or review or whatever that site uh, allows for. That helps other users of that site find our show, and we really
0: We really do. And again, like Paul said at the top of the show, big thanks to our patrons who support the show here. If you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs and you'll see the different tier options. Every single tier option gets you access to our Discord server where the conversation continues. Uh, We had, you know, this show itself was partly inspired by questions about are you using D6s or D8s for the hit dice on your monsters these days? And why or why not? So, um, you know, get in there and you'll uh, be engaged, and we'll probably get some more ideas for future shows like that. And we'll be there to continue the conversation here in the video after chat. I had other ideas that didn't fit into this hour, Paul. So maybe I'll get to uh, maybe I'll get to share those in private on the, in the Discord video chat uh, in about ten minutes or so, um, and get uh, get your opinion to see whether you think it's crazy or not. <laughs>
1: Excellent, excellent, excellent. You know, come come join, join, uh, if you want to get in on that, hear Dan's uh, extended thoughts that he failed to get to. I mean, there were definitely several more images of tiny text I can't read to share. So, (laughs) yeah, come come join join our Patreon. Maybe Dan will show you some some pictures of text. And that's that's one Rams
0: I'll be back Thursday night at eight thirty p.m. <laughs> for more of the ad Pool Radiance play, and uh, so feel free to jump in and um, uh, uh, give your opinion about whether I'm optimizing things properly or not as I as I walk through the end game back in the uh, the graveyard area. Hopefully, so we'll look forward to that on Thursday. And of course, we'll be back next Sunday because we're live every Sunday at one p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought provoking discussion.
1: We'll see you then.